Our Bible reading comes from Acts chapter 26. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defence. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defence against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I'm on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it's because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying with me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appointed point you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why 
Some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and, as the first to rise from the dead, would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defence. You're out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I'm not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things and I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. Well, isn't that a great passage of the Bible? And so well read. Thank you, John. We came to life. Well, if a Gentile is a person who is a non-Jew, how many Gentiles do we have in the room this morning? If you're not a Jewish person, put your hand up. If you are a Jewish person, put your hand up. I've got good news. If you are or a Gentile or a Jew, got great news this morning about the gospel. The gospel is great news for every human being in the world. Uh, here we see in this wonderful story, uh, King Agrippa. Paul has been, in chapters 22 to 26, Paul has been arrested. Uh, he has appealed to um, the emperor, which is his, as a Roman citizen, he has that right. So he's actually being transported to Rome to be able to plead his case before the emperor. And on the way, of course, he's encountering these people and he encounters um, the client king of Rome, who is King Agrippa. Now, Marcus Julius Agrippa, known as Herod Agrippa II. He was the great-grandson. You think, I've heard of the word Herod, yeah? I thought, was he alive when Jesus was a baby and was he the one that tried to kill the Christ child? No. He's the great-grandson of Herod the Great, who uh, rebuilt the temple, of course, and tried to kill the Christ child. He is the last of the Herod dynasty. They were a family dynasty of client kings in the Judean region under Roman authority. And he was the last of them because he was ousted by a Jewish rebellion in 66, which ended really badly for the Jewish people against the Romans. He was ousted and uh, he died of what appears to be natural causes three decades later. But he is the king, Marcus Julius Agrippa, Herod Agrippa II. He is, the, he is the king of Judea when Paul appears to him in this trial. We think at around about 59 AD. So 59 AD, thereabouts, uh, Paul is in this court, you see, and he is appearing before Herod Agrippa. And of course, 
Here's a, uh, a wonderful picture of Marcus Julius Agrippa, according to somebody, <laughs> according to Mr. Google search image. All right, here we have it. He's got this great conversation and Paul just leads out of his testimony. Isn't that wonderful how he leads out of his testimony and brings good news? Friends, that's the key to the whole thing. If we're ever going to share our faith, let's just lead out of our own story. This is Paul's story. You can't go up to a work colleague and say, I was on this road to Damascus and I was persecuting Christians. That's Paul's testimony, but you have a testimony. Have you encountered Jesus Christ in your life? If you haven't, I'll just turn this into an evangelistic event and get you saved right now. Uh, fill up the baptistry. The water, the water restrictions are over. And so, you know, uh, if we've encountered Jesus, that's our testimony. And it leads us into the great global good news of the gospel. So just we just share our story. Don't think that when we share our story of how we've encountered Jesus, it needs to be something wild and dramatic. It needs to be something like Paul. It needs to be a rock star who's lived the evil, bad life and has suddenly found Jesus. The most powerful thing is just your genuine personal story of how you came to know Jesus and what Jesus means to you. That is the most persuasive and powerful thing you can do. And we've learned over the last couple of weeks the, the life well lived and the authentic story. In fact, stories of the superstars who become Christians turn people off. Actually turn people off. And so it's just the gentle life story. So friends, you have a, you have a story of Jesus. Jesus has encountered you. You have a story of Jesus. So Paul just leads out of his story. And of course, here we encounter this God of ours who was heaven-bent on getting all people of all nations to come to know him. And Paul is the lead ambassador and apostle for this global good news. He was appointed the apostle to the Gentiles. Even though he, I found this fascinating, even though he was a Jew of the Jews, even though he was the most hardcore person in my plan, I would have put him on the leadership team to reach the Jews. If I, was the, if I was the leader of the church back then, thank goodness I'm not. Uh, but the Holy Spirit thought through this strange thing that this Jew amongst the Jews, this Pharisee, this zealot, he was a, a persecutor of Christians. He was appointed to go and reach Gentiles. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? But that's God. Uh, but he understands he brings this great heritage to the Gentiles. He can explain to them the salvation story of God. So he knows it historically and he has encountered it personally. And so he is able to tell them that God has opened up uh, the great possibilities for all the peoples of the world. And I believe that if all the people of the world had God's view of all the people of the world, did you catch that? If all the people of the world had God's view of all the people of the world, we would send CNN to racism if people saw the people of the world as God saw the people, sees the people of the world. We would see an end to racism. We would see an end to classism. We would see an end to bigotry. We would see an end to prejudice. We would see an end to sexism. We would see an end to hatred, violence and war. If only we saw people as God sees people. Because we would never do the things that 
to humankind what we see done. As Thomas Jefferson wrote, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Obviously, they're blindingly obvious to the thinking person. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all people are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And so as a church, we enter two weeks of, of focusing on the fact that we are, uh, have a multicultural mandate. In fact, technically, it should be multi-ethnic. Multi-ethnic, you know, but I've, that's not a popular sort of a phrase. We are a multi-ethnic congregation, and, uh, but we say it's multicultural because, you know, that sometimes refers to the customs and stuff. But please read multi-ethnic when you see that. Of every tribe and every, every tongue and every people. The gospel is the great equaliser, the great liberator of humankind. So it's good if you've got Australian ancestry. If you've been born here for generations, it's good for you. It's good if you're an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. It's good for you if you have Polynesian heritage, Melanesian heritage, Indonesian heritage, Chinese heritage, Indian heritage, Hong Kongers, Koreans, Filipinos, Malaysians, Africans, South Africans. I'll throw my family mix into it if you're Puerto Rican or Brazilian. Now, who have I missed out? I've probably missed some nations of the place out. Who have I missed out in this place here? Have I missed out anybody? What's your heritage? Scottish, yeah, well, yeah, me too, brother. What's yours, Wendy? Lebanese. Well, who else have I? It's great news for Lebanese. It's great news for us kilt-wearing Scottish people like Galbraith of Gurulech, myself, all that. Plenty of DNA in that, in that kilt. And who else, if we miss, who else have I missed out? What, yep. Irish, Welsh, anyone else? Canadian. Canadian. All right, I just want to say, whoever you are, it's terrific news. We've got global good news. Jesus Christ came into the world to save the world, for God so loved the world. Do we get it? That's the mission and that's the mandate of the church, to share the love of God with all the peoples of the world. We are unashamedly a multicultural, multi-ethnic church. The church comprises, of course, of all true believers, all nations, tribes and tongues, uh, regardless of nationality, class or caste. We believe, therefore, that our, our church ought to reach and be increasingly reflecting the community in which it has been placed. God has strategically placed this church at 31 Bridge Street. It is not an accident. He has given us the mission and the ministry and the mandate to reach our community. Do we understand that? Do you believe that? Do you think we're just here by some dumb accident or do you believe in a sovereign God that's got everything under control? He has placed us here for mission, for ministry and a mandate to reach our community. And I think as we reach our community effectively, we will more in our makeup reflect our community, which I believe it's God's will for our future as a church. And we have been intentionally and strategically placed here for very, that very purpose. And so as we look at our text, we see here is Paul, formerly called Saul, changing his name to reflect his target group that he is reaching. Trained scholar under Jewish law, Pharisee amongst the Pharisees, a lunatic zealot, an aggressive persecutor, a prosecutor, an imprisoner and an eradicator of Christians. And so underpinning all of this was his fundamental understanding that that it was just all about the Jewish nation and God's people. Uh, but, but failing to realise the quote that was reflected 
in uh, Acts 13, 47, which was a quote from Isaiah 49, 6, did not understand that they were to be the funnel through which and out of which the great salvation message of the love of God was to reach all peoples. They'd forgotten that they were to be a light for the Gentiles. They're holding it all to themselves. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you might bring salvation to where? Over here, do we, can we read that? What do we say? To the? These reading people over here. To the? And over there where you are seated is the ends of the earth. So where are you going to bring it? To the ends of the earth. This is the will of God. This is the plan of God. This is the mandate of God that salvation should be brought to the ends of the earth. Fantastic. This is global good news. And so one father, we've got a message. There's one father, one faith, one spiritual family and one future. And we're all a part of that. So Paul had this great call in his life. We reflect many of these things. That's the passage there. Open up your scriptures and have a look at this. Let's have a look at this. Servant and witness. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you. Jesus is talking to Paul, then Saul on the road to Damascus. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and what I will show you. And so he's a servant and witness of what he has seen and what he's experienced. So, so are we. We're, that's all, that's, so, so have we. Um, we're a witness. What's a witness? Witness to somebody who's, who's experienced something, who's seen something, who's can testify to some incident that's happened. Every single one of us who's a Christian has an incident with Jesus Christ. And we can witness to the reality of Jesus in our life. And so we are witnesses and we are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ and we are servants unto the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. We, we serve this Great Commission that was given to the church. So we are servants and witnesses, just like Paul was a servant and a witness. We also are servants and witnesses. Uh, he was rescued and sent. Look at verse 17. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles, and I'm sending you to them. Friends, every one of us has been rescued and sent. Rescued from sin. Uh, such a wonderful message around the Lord's table from Rick today. We've been rescued and sent. We are all sent ones. Uh, maybe not like Paul around the world and to various places through Asia Minor, but you've been sent to family. You've been sent to friends. You've been sent to the neighbourhood. You've been sent to the workmates. You've been sent to the people you are in a club with. Who have you been sent to? Who has God placed around you in your life, in your work, in your family, in your social settings? That's where we've been sent. Don't have to go on missionary journeys like St Paul and feel that, oh, I'm not a missionary. You're a missionary. You're just a light wherever you are. 
You have been sent. You have been rescued and brought to Jesus and you've been sent to live and to share gently and sweetly the story of Jesus in your life, the global good news. Uh, because people need to have their eyes opened. You ever astounded that people don't get it? They don't get Jesus? And you sort of, you know, we're like in the blessed minority. What do they think of Jesus? What's going on here? Um, people are carrying on in their world, uh, just steaming on in life. But the reality is uh, that they need to have their eyes open. Look at verse 18. It says a few of these things. To open the eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they might receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified. And so the open the eyes. People just need that. People can be fully functioning, but people can be fully functioning and fully operational in their life, but they can be spiritually blind. You might see somebody who's incredibly successful. You might see somebody who's incredibly smart. You might see somebody who has got more degrees than a thermometer. You... I just thought of that as I was going along. It was pretty good. It wasn't a bad one for me. You might say, well, all that stuff, people really making a splash out there in the world. Hey, like, but if their eyes aren't open, they haven't found the greatest discovery of all, which is Jesus Christ. And so they need their eyes open. We've got to pray. As the scales fell off St. Paul's eyes, after a few days, he was blind. And then they sent somebody to pray and the scales fell off his eyes and he was able to see. We need to be praying for people that their eyes would be open. It's a spiritual revelation that they need. They need to have their eyes open to Jesus because they can be fully functional out in the world, incredibly successful, highly admirable. But if they're spiritually blind, how dark is the darkness? How sad that is, that they don't know Jesus. They need to be turned from darkness to light. They need to be turned from Satan to God. They don't understand that they have, in fact, the Bible says that they have had, their blindness has come uh, from the God of this age. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, the God of this age, the evil one, the adversary of God, Satan, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. It is spiritual warfare and spiritual breakthrough that we need. And you can't bring it and I can't bring it. Only the Holy Spirit can bring it. And that's why we must implore the Holy Spirit to open people's eyes. From Satan to God and then forgiveness of sins. So he is out there preaching the forgiveness of sins so that they may receive forgiveness of sins. And verse 9, uh, further down in verse 19, uh, uh, no, it's not 19, uh, verse 20. First to those in Damascus and then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea and the Gentiles also, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their forgiveness by their deeds. And so forgiveness is accompanied by a lifestyle that reflects that repentance. Forgiveness and repentance are linked. People just say, oh, I'm just going to get forgiven and then just go on and just live their willful, godless, God, you know, self-centered lives. That's not what the Bible says is to be a Christian. We need to come to Jesus to have our sins forgiven, but we also need to be repentant. And so repentance and forgiveness in the New Testament are completely linked all the time uh, that we are to reflect, as John the Baptist preached, we are to reflect and uh, bear fruit of what it means to be forgiveness.
be forgiven. So, But we have good news of forgiveness of sins. So, so far, friends, what have we got? We are servants and witnesses of the truth of Jesus. We've been rescued from a Christless eternity and living life in this world without the wonder and joy of Jesus in our life. We've been rescued from that. We have got all that in place. We've been sent out to share our stories gently and beautifully, non-aggressively, and then with prayer, Prayer that eyes would be open. Prayer that they would go from darkness to light. Prayer that they would go from under the, the blinding uh, influence of Satan to God, that they would receive forgiveness. And I love how this verse ends. Look at this. So that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me, says Jesus. And so a place amongst those who are... Uh, with God and that's us so that's we are very blessed friends you are very privileged to know Jesus never ever ever take that for granted you are incredibly blessed why God has chosen us the motley lot that we are in the sovereign plan of God I look around and it's very true God has not chosen the wise and God (laughs) 2 Corinthians or whatever it is He's just chosen us the motley lot. And we're God's motley lot. He loves us. He's literally loved us to death. And so we're incredibly privileged. We are the people of God. We have forgiveness of sins. We've turned to Jesus. We have eternal life. We are sons and daughters of the living God. But we have been called. We have been called to share the great news of Jesus. We have been called to reach our beautiful, splendid, wonderful tapestry of a community our multi-ethnic and multicultural community with the greatest news because it is global good news that we have received. Uh, The gospel is, in fact, it is the great equaliser because we're all sinners before God, much loved by God and needing forgiveness. The gospel is the great equaliser. Level playing field, I think I heard this morning. The great motivator... People need the love of God in their lives. The great liberator because uh, Jesus has come to set the captives free. And the greatest news is of all time is that God loves people and he has sent his son to be with them. And so what is our high calling? Our high calling is to live and to speak good news, to remind people that God so loved the world that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And our great commission as was mentioned earlier in that other reference, that we might be a part of bringing salvation where? To the ends of the earth and our neighbourhood. Father God, we thank you for the global good news that is good news for every person of every tribe, tongue and nation under the earth. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that our community is more and more reflecting the community in which you have called us to serve and to reach. In Jesus' name, amen.